Good morning. Our second reading is from Luke chapter 21, verse 5 to 11. And while some were speaking of the temple, how it was adorned with noble stones and offerings, he said, As for these things that you see, the days will come when there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. And they asked him, Teacher, when will these things be? And what will be the sign when these things are about to take place? And he said, See that you are not led astray, for many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and the time is at hand. Do not go after them. And when you hear of wars and tumults, do not be terrified, for these things must first take place, but the end will not come at once. Then he said to them, Nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes, and in various places famines and pestilences, and there will be terrors and great signs from heaven. Oh my, we had to pass the wounded, and some of them were on stretchers going back to the dressing stations, and some of them were lying around moaning and twitching, and the dead were all along the road. So wrote one soldier as he remembered a terrible scene from his experience in World War One. The 1914-18 World War ended on the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month of 1918. And it gave rise to Remembrance Sunday, the Sunday nearest uh, to the 11th of November. And it was the war to end all wars. Sadly, uh, that was far from the case. As Jesus explains in our passage from Luke's Gospel, Luke 21, 5 to 11, our passage uh, for this morning, and where the context is as follows. Jesus was in the temple, temple in uh, Jerusalem uh, one day when Luke 21, verse 5, some were speaking of the temple, how it was adorned with noble stones and offerings. For it was an amazing sight. Uh, the temple was built of uh, uh, much marble and gold and had a huge perimeter. Uh, it had walls uh, of massive white stones, some of which were 16 feet long and three or four feet high. And the offerings referred to were gifts from heads of state, uh, various heads of state. Tacitus, the Roman historian, described Jerusalem temple as a shrine of immense wealth. Well, imagine the shock Jesus caused his hearers when he said that uh, uh, lot, this lot is all going to be destroyed. But before we go into details of what he said, may we pray. Heavenly Father, on this day when we remember with sadness two world wars and other conflicts, we pray that your Holy Spirit will help us learn from your word how we should think about the future so as to live more according to your will. For Jesus' sake. Amen. And I have uh, three headings uh, this morning. First, the destruction of the temple. Secondly, two errors to avoid. And uh, thirdly, the normal life. First, the destruction of the temple. Look at verses 5 and 6 again. And while some were speaking of the temple, how it was adorned with noble stones and offerings, he, Jesus, said, 
As for these things that you see, the days will come when there will be not left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. Jesus, as the Old Testament prophets did, telescopes the centuries. Uh, the result is a bit like looking at a distant mountain range. Uh, you cannot tell how near or how far the, Martin, the mountains are from you or from each other. However, it seems that Jesus first has in focus the supreme folly of the Jewish rejection of himself and the judgment which followed that rejection. And that judgment began when the Jews took on the might of the utterly ruthless Roman Empire. Judea, of course, was a Roman province. So following an AD uh, 66 Jerusalem rebellion and the forming of a Judean provisional government in Jerusalem, the Romans decided to act. The uh, future emperor Titus with the Roman army uh, besieged and captured the city of Jerusalem in AD 70. And he destroyed both the city and the temple, this amazing temple, thus bringing its worship uh, to an end after centuries. So Jesus' prediction was absolutely spot on. The historian Josephus tells us that 1.1 million non-combatants died in the sack of Jerusalem, mainly as a result of violence and famine. Josephus seems to be exaggerating, however. Nevertheless, we are talking of hundreds of thousands of casualties and, more importantly, a real end for the Jews spiritually and politically. But it was very significant for the Christians then and now. For Jesus, in our chapter 21 of Luke, taught not only about the sack of Jerusalem and the end of the Jewish nation, but also about the end of world history as we know it, when Jesus comes again. And the sack of Jerusalem in AD 70 seems to prefigure some of the events before that final end of history and the second coming of Christ. And we must all underline the importance for the Christian believer of that final end and of Jesus' return this second time. Paul once defined a Christian as someone to whom he could say, this is 1 Thessalonians 1, 9-10, you turn to God from idols, or from today's 21st idols, to serve the living and true God. And listen, to wait for his Son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. So the Christian is someone who consciously should be waiting for the return from heaven uh, of Jesus, God's Son, who delivers us from an adverse eternal judgment and hell, the wrath to come. But as you wait, you need to expect that what happened in that first century somehow is to be replicated sometime or several times before Jesus returns and that final end. And that brings us to our second heading, the two errors to avoid. Look at verse, verses 7 to 9. And uh, the people, they asked him, Teacher, when will these things be and what will be the sign when these things are about to take place? And he said, See that you are not led astray. For many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and the time is at hand. 
do not go after them. And when you hear of wars and tumults, do not be terrified. For these things must first take place, but the end will not be at once. Jesus is teaching uh, about the uh, destruction of the temple, uh, and it was uh, certainly fulfilled in one sense in AD 70, uh, as we've seen. But the destruction of the temple, when literally there will not be left one stone upon another that will not be thrown down, will only be completed when Christ returns. For the Wailing or Western Wall is still there, left with some of the stones uh, still upon each other. So was Jesus referring only to that first major destruction uh, or the final destruction of every stone? He doesn't tell us, for he seems not concerned with the details about the end, but more concerned with how we we know how to live uh, in the light of his return, literally at any moment. And uh, for that, he says, two things are vital. One is in verse 8. And he said, See that you are not led astray, for many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and the time is at hand. Do not go after them. And how vital that is. Jesus warns us when thinking of the last things and the future world not to be deceived. For there will be, he says, many false Christs uh, or antichrists. He's referring to people who claim the divine name, I am. Now, in my time, there was uh, uh, the Korean uh, Sun Myung Moon, who claimed to be a second messiah, uh, making good Jesus' work. We had members come to our church and uh, they uh, wanted to invite privately students to what they called Bible studies. A mature student went along to one of those and told me what went on and we were able to take action. However, as serious now in our secular world are secular messiahs. Again, in my time, there have been Hitler, uh, Stalin, uh, Mao, as world figures promising uh, so much but delivering disaster. And there are deceiving messiahs in other areas of life, not just in politics. So Jesus says, see that you are not led astray. And what did Jesus say is one fundamental way of obeying that command? Well, answer, do not go after them. Verse 8, steer clear of them. Do not follow them. Don't go to their meetings, for they are very powerful. They claim that their religious or secular version of salvation is at hand. It will soon usher in a new world. Oswald Mosley was an English lesser version of such a one. His name is probably now forgotten by most. But he was the British fascist leader before the Second World War and in prison during the Second World War. While I was still a student, before he died, he came to talk to our students' union. He was actually electric. I've never heard such a person before or since. He was so persuasive. Such people are truly dangerous and they are still around. So Jesus says, be warned. And secondly, he says, verse 9, And when you hear of wars and tumults, do not be terrified, for these things must first take place, but the end will not be at once. Note that little word, must. They, they wars and 
tumults or uh, disorders must take place. That means somehow, mysteriously, Almighty God, in spite of the evil done by others, is not responsible but in absolute control. And that's why the command is given, do not be terrified. Trust in God if you get into the middle of such a war or tumult. But that all brings to our third heading and what I've called the normal life. Look at verses 10 and 11. Then he, Jesus, said to them, Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes and in various places famines and pestilences. And there will be terrors and great signs from heaven. Jesus is predicting that all this will be happening uh, sometimes in this period between uh, his first and his second comings. We're not in heaven yet, so there will be moral disasters. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be natural disasters. There will be great earthquakes and in various places famines and pestilences or plagues, including viral plagues like COVID-19. And there will be terrors and great signs from heaven. And how true all that is. There was no war to end all wars. Currently, there are eight major wars defined as conflict that involves the use of armed force between two or more organised groups, governmental or non-governmental, taking place in Afghanistan with 42,000 dead. These are the figures from uh, uh, 2019. Mexico with 36,000 dead. Yemen with 16,000. Syria with 11,000. Saudi Arabia with 5,000. Somalia with 3,000. Libya with 2,000. In Iraq with 2,000. And Mali, Egypt, South Sudan, India, the Democratic Republic of the Congo, Colombia, Cameroon, Pakistan and Thailand are in the list but with under a thousand deaths. So there are 17 war zones in the world. And terrorist attacks, a modern form of guerrilla warfare, are also taking place as we know uh, recently in many countries. All this is exactly as Jesus predicted. And also, tragically, as Jesus predicted would happen, there has been just been a, a great earthquake, sadly, in Turkey. And as Jesus predicted, in various places there are famines, especially in East Africa, through locusts, devouring crops, and uh, now floods as well in the South Sudan. And also, I don't need to tell you, there are pestilences, with COVID-91 being the number one such pestilence at the moment. But how do you respond now to all of these, these predictions? May I suggest two things, and with this I conclude. First, as war will be a constant, uh, between now and Jesus' return, why not familiar yourselves with the Christian doctrine uh, of the just war theory? Uh, for you may be asked uh, for your opinion at some point, and it's important you should have some idea. Just war theory evolved when Christians in the early days uh, got into government and had to make decisions. And the doctrine is limiting. It focuses on how little force is needed, uh, not how much uh, you can get away with. 
and it is to bring war under the restraint of moral standards that apply to other acts of government. In brief, there are five basic principles. Three deal with going to war and two with actual fighting. The first three are, one, a legitimate civil authority must initiate a war, not anyone. Two, the reason has to be just. And three, the motive has to be right. And the two principles dealing with right conduct are these. One, discrimination force must only be used to deprive combatants of that, their ability to actually wage war. So no attacks on non-combatants. And two, the principle of proportion. No more force is to be used than necessary. Now there is more to say, but they are some basics we need to uh, remember. We owe this thinking to Augustine, from whom uh, we surely need to learn and f for whom we need to thank God. And secondly, may I suggest in response to these predictions, we need to jump to the end of our chapter where Jesus says this in verses 34 to 36. But watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and cares of this life. And that day, that's when our Lord does return, come upon you suddenly, like a trap, for it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the whole earth. But stay awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. You say, that, you say is that for me? Uh, yes, for everyone, for Jesus is coming back. It may be tomorrow. It may be in the far, far away future. But stay awake spiritually. Be aware of false teachers. Don't be afraid. God is in control. And don't drift with the secular tide and worldliness and away from Christ. So pray for the Holy Spirit to help you stay close to Jesus Christ, who said in John 16 verse 13, and with this I close, In me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us all by your Holy Spirit to stay spiritually awake and ready for Christ's return. For his name's sake. Amen.